Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Still Growing in Grace on a Wednesday morning. Uh, thrilled you can be here with us. Uh, today I have a, 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 I thought last week was going to be the end of the, the mini-series on um, wisdom for deconstruction. I've just relabeled it for the last two of four now. Uh, I call it the journey of awakening. Um Someone posted, because uh, at the very beginning of my conversation, I'd made a comment, and you'll you'll hear me read it in this interview uh, right at the start, because it was I wrote it after last week's aired, and I realized that um, this deconstruction thing will have, I don't want to throw away the word deconstruction, because it connects with a lot of people, but there's also a lot of people it does not connect with. Um, this They're not the same all. <laughs> That's a, an inclusion joke. Um, so I thought this is this is a, this is about awakening. Somebody wrote awakening. This is a journey of awakening, not deconstructing or destroying. Unfortunately, I am I'm I am seeing patterns where the journey seems to invite anything goes with no foundation, and that hey Mary, good morning Mary. In fact, Mary, Mary Nye, who's watching just now, um, Mary has been on a journey along with me for years. We were part of uh, a ministry here. We, well, this is called Growing in Grace Canada. Had a different name before. Um, but Mary's been connected forever. And we've talked through the different stages of growth. And in fact, I remember a couple conversations with her. She had already awoken to some, some revelation of the incredible inclusion of God's love. And I was still not rejecting it, but I still had questions. I wanted to get it. I, I needed to understand it. I didn't want to believe it just because someone else believed it. But Mary was one of those people who, she was just one of the, the confirmers who, who helped confirm. Um, yeah, and helped explain. Because you may need a whole bunch of people from different lenses, and one of them's going to say something just right, and that piece goes, oh, I get it. That's what Bruce Walkup was for me when I heard... Um, his series on what is the gospel, which you can find on my YouTube channel on my playlists. <coughs> and by the way, that's a critical one. Please, 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 if you've not watched that, go watch it. It'll make you weep. But I think it gives an understanding for um, this bigger, better, most amazing love of God than we've ever dreamed of. Um, so this conversation, uh, we couldn't get away with uh, from it. I wanted to get into some uh, nitty-gritty stuff and I think in between this week and next week we do get into some of the church stuff um, well what we, do we throw everything out do we throw Bible reading out do we throw church out do we throw fellowship out do we throw serving out like all that stuff those are legitimate questions the good answer is no we don't throw those out they just don't become a legislative rule anymore and I'll, you'll hear me refer to the purpose-driven church book which I loved at the time I love the structure but when I started to understand identity, when I started reading Bob George's classic Christianity and then Steve McVeigh's Grace Walk, um, I tell you, 
uh, I, I knew those things had value, but I couldn't understand it anymore. And I didn't know what was giving me conflict. And as I continued to grow, and even today, 20 years later, uh, I still am growing and realizing they're trying to hijack the natural overflow activities of an abiding believer <laughs> and legislate them. You can't legislate the Holy Spirit. Come on. It's just really, really cool. Anyway, let's get into the conversation. Um, I think you'll really enjoy this one. This is a lot of fun. When we end it, it's like, oh, darn. So this will run uh, till the, or we'll be done by quarter to uh, nine this morning. So let's dig in. Here we go. And comment away. I'm watching with you uh, live. So just make your comments and interact and I'll heckle you right back. <laughs> okay, here we go. All right. Uh, we all have different backgrounds except me. Um, so, hello, everybody. Welcome to Still Growing Grace. We're, we're kind of chatting here. With physical backgrounds. I physical background. Like new backstories or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just really, you're, you, you, you had that halo that, you know, behind you all the time. Yeah, you know? I'm in my son's room today. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Richard, you're, you're, in the, you're in the car there. So, that's really cool. Thank you. Thanks for taking time. We, we want to continue our conversation. I thought we were going to go in another direction, but... Uh, as we were having our prequel conversation before hitting record, um, uh, this this topic of unlearning. Uh, in fact, I want to introduce something to you guys that I wrote this morning. It's not, nothing big, but it, it was a, a, out of a Bible study I had this morning with a group of folks that we meet every Friday morning. We call it Grounds and Grace, so good coffee and, and grace. Um, but this is, I wrote this as the, when I was sharing last, last week's, um, or this week's, uh, well, part two, which was aired last week, um, uh, this line is the thing I wrote a, a above it. So what if deconstruction is not the right word after all? What if the process is more like the restoration of all things? What if our minds and beliefs that are being restored to its original design and all the other topics of unlearning are really the flaking away of something hiding our true image of God? And I thought, yeah, maybe that's an even more beautiful lens than deconstruction, which still sounds like destruction and it's confusing to people. And and we realized today in our in our chat that this is a this is the restoration. Like we're talking about learning who we really are. And so really there isn't a deconstruct necessarily of stuff. It's a, a, a an awakening to more revelation and stuff flicks off. Mm -hmm. right right Good. like a skin a skin of a snake it, not that it was a like snake, the scales falling off of uh all's eyes <laughs> well, yeah 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 just like that so i thought hey um i have heard conversations in this past week people are asking about okay then what do we do with the devil because we've talked a little bit about the devil before is he real is he not what are you saying some dear saints are getting scared that we're tossing that up because they th that's part of their package that they've grown up with and are, can't let go of some of that. How do we help people process as in what about the child level? What about the young adult level? What about the adult level? Like we cannot forget where we have come from all three of us. Like our journey has been years of unlearning and learning. So when people are just beginning to unlearn, we can't forget what it was like at the beginning. That's right. So I want room and grace for people to ask and know that it's okay to ask questions and not be scared. Like we can't forget the Holy Spirit's the tutor, the guide. So, anyway, Amen. what do you guys think? Like, I think we should continue in this. 
Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And, and I would, I would say things like, you know, you trust that instinct um, first and foremost, that, that Holy spirit, like, you know, consciousness inside of us that, you know, uh, red, red, light, green, light. we feel, you know, you, it's okay to trust that with things. When you hear someone throwing away this idea that the devil's not real. I don't think the three of us probably would contend that, and none of us would agree with that, even though there are certain quote unquote deconstructionists out there who totally make, you know, very black and white, black and white definitive statements yeah. to that degree. And also try to be shock statements. We've talked about the shock statement yep. thing yep. before. Not you know, helpful. They say it to kind of be, Ugh. And I think we're more nuanced. All of us are willing to have that conversation. I just, I just caught something. When the shock statements come, it's a shut up. I don't want to talk about it. Don't make me go deeper. Kind mm. of. That's kind of what can happen with our shock right. statements. So they're not actually yeah. as wise as you think. No, a lot of times they're just a cutoff. Like we don't want to go back and deal with yeah. the baggage, but there may have been hints of truth in that baggage. Right. Yeah. And that's okay. But it's definitely a, um, well, it's like Jesus. When he shows up for Lazarus's uh, funeral late, four days, he does something so human that if you don't catch it, um, we're not going to live like Jesus. He didn't think, oh, my goodness, you people, you people, you know, um, I'm going to raise them. Okay. He didn't do that. He comes across them and they're weeping. What does he do? He weeps with them. Why? Mm-hmm. Knowing full well he's going to raise Lazarus because he's human. And he's identifying with those around him. He's not running ahead of them. He's with them. And I think that's what this journey is like, too. We can't forget we're human and we're talking to humans. And we have Mm. to be loving and careful, not rushing ahead and be easy on the frustration. Mm. Yeah, I think think a good rule, and I hate rules, but some rules are okay because if, if they're open-hearted rules and sort of organic rules, but here, here's, I think a guideline, good, uh, it's more like a guideline. <laughs> yeah. Guideline. Like, a, like right. a pirate, just like a pirate. More like a guideline. <laughs> but uh, but uh, it, it's the idea of let's take seriously what Jesus took seriously. Mm-hmm. All right. And if we, the, the devil, for example, whatever the devil may be or not be, Jesus took him quite seriously. He talked about him a lot. He attributed a lot of evil directly to him. Uh, oops, <laughs> sorry. Um, and you know, you can't just wipe him off and say the devil doesn't mean anything. And so, I, I think you know w- w- what I try to do is take seriously the things that Jesus took seriously, and take more lightly the things that Jesus took lightly. And mm-hmm. I would say that one thing Jesus took lightly was kind of political power, you know, was sort of a uh, citizenship. I mean, he said this thing about Caesar, but he didn't really talk about that much. There's a really, ton. It's almost a flippant statement. It really was. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is what it is, you know, type of thing. But, uh, but hey, render to God the things that are God's. And that's up for you to see what all that means, you know. And, and, and I think if, if we can, so I don't, uh, it's hard for me to take the deconstructionists who just want to just, you know, offhandedly say there's no Satan and it doesn't mean anything. Uh, or even people who say that the word hell isn't in the Bible. Well, that's misleading. There are many, you know, there are several many, there are many verses that would suggest that the perhaps there is something unpleasant in the afterlife. All right. It just is. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean, but but see, Jesus wants us to go go there. He wants us to go there and see that he's been there and he's undone yeah. that. 
Yeah. Man, that's a good line. <laughs> He's been there and undone that. <laughs> but, but he wants us to deal with these issues because he took them seriously. And uh, so to me, that's that's my guide. If, 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 I, if I'm hearing a brand of deconstruction that doesn't take the – now, listen, we can sit there and have a, a, a cordial and uh, open-hearted debate about what these terms mean, but they do mean something significant. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, if we can sort of go go at it with a – with a loose grip, you know, I always use that metaphor, the loose grip with a tennis racket. You know, if you have a loose grip, you can hit the ball better with more spin and, and harder. But if we have a tight grip on it and it's, you know, the devil's got to mean precisely what I say that it means. Well, that's that I've, I've come off that. I used to think that, and mm-hmm. I do have an opinion about what he is, but you know what? I'm, there are so many different angles that this thing operates on that I'm, I'm, I'm okay hearing what anybody has to say, as long as they take it seriously. Yeah. It, it, it's the deconstruction that do, that's frivolous, that doesn't take these issues seriously. You know, whether we're talking about repentance, whether we're talking about being born again or from above. I mean, this, these things appear to matter to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm fine with us retranslating them and reconfiguring them, you know, with with what where we're at today, how we understand the spirit, the, the prompting presence of the spirit today. But I mean, I, I just so anyway, I think that's a good rule of thumb so that we don't so that we don't stray too far away. Uh, I mean, we said it earlier when we were talking and, and I'll just close with this on this part, part, but um, you know, Bill and I were involved on a thread and, and uh, I had this, just this idea that came out that not all these streams of deconstruction lead into the same river basin, hmm. you know, and uh, some of them lead into a r- river basin that Jesus isn't there. Okay. Or at least he's not magnified. He's not made preeminent. That's a Whereas good way to word it. The, the, the deconstruction we're in that basin, we know it, we can hear it around the bend of the river. You know, we can hear it calling to us that this is, we're talking about the preeminence of Christ in all things, as Paul said, that he might be preeminent in all things. That's our river basin. And if these other streams of deconstruction don't lead us there, uh, that we're not, even though we, they may call us the same thing, we're not the same thing. We're of a different spirit. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's, 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 no, it. I, I, yeah, d- to double down on that, you know, if you are someone who's new to this whole idea of, okay, that there, there are serious fundamental like conflicts in what I used to know about God. And I'm working through those. I, I know for certainty these two gentlemen with me and myself, you know, it is the essence of Jesus and his preeminence and the idea that he is the fullest unveiling of God, the Father, and God, the Spirit, which has led us to question and reconstruct, to, to reform, to restore our understanding of God and our own identities. It's not, Jesus is the guide taking us to those places. We're not deconstructing Jesus. Yeah. We're actually allowing Jesus to renew our minds, right? What? That, I've heard that. I know, before. shocking. That's, that's. <laughs> I mean, but just like, just like I said, you have to see where that river's leading, what basin it flows into it. Is it, is it at the foot of the cross or is it far away from the foot of the cross? And I think that's, I would hope that anyone that listens to any of us realize we're, we're doubling down on Jesus a lot of the time. And, and oddly enough, that can also make the hyper-fundamentalist Western Christian, very uncomfortable too, because they've been taught that Jesus is kind of this bolt on correction for Mm -hmm. human, you know, in a fit deficiencies and uh, uh, what's the word depravities, right? And Jesus is kind of God's fix for humanity, 
I, we don't, I, I would say, I don't believe that. I don't think Jesus is the unveiling of God's heart for humanity. Mm -hmm. He's not a fix for the brokenness of humanity. He is, but not to appease God, mm -hmm. but, but to help us. He, it's, it's his gift to us. It's not our gift to him. I think the character, character of God's been misaligned. Absolutely. You know? Like, uh, even, I'm going to go back to the hell topic that Richard was just talking about. You know, I've said that myself, that the word hell is not in any Greek or Aramaic language. It doesn't exist. The, the actual um, yeah, vernacular right. of hell. Yeah. Correct. However, usually when I'm rebutting people talking about hell as freely as they like to, I'm referring to there is no hell like eternal conscious torment that we have been taught the jewish faith has no concept of that the orthodox church has no concept of that in their theology so i'm such a jerk because that's where i come back and go i'm a total proponent of eternal conscious torment what 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 i am but see, here's the problem it's back to words yeah it's back to the fluidity of words eternal forever conscious mindfulness yeah right? okay torment torment doesn't mean torture Torment does not, it's touch tone. It is, it is where they would take the purity of a metal and rub it until it was proving itself purer and purer and purer. Even the idea of a God who unrelentlessly in the consciousness of his love torments, doesn't torture us. That is a very biblical concept. It is. <laughs> <laughs> right? But we've turned it from a restorative justice to a punitive justice. And that's what all three yeah. of us would say. We don't, I don't believe in internal unconscious torture. Yeah. And see, they subtly change the meaning of words and the mm -hmm. intention of words. And, and we got to bring them back. And I think Christianity is one for me. I'm, I am a Christian deep, deep down. And these guys who are like, I don't believe in the church. I'm not a Christian, you know, blah, blah, blah. You hear this over and over, over yeah. and in certain camps. I, I don't want, I want to restore words. And, and realize that words are not nearly as cut and dry, right? Words have use. Well, I, I remember, um, I think it was Steve who was teaching us about um, the, the love of God, the wrath of God is love. Mm -hmm. However, we came to that conclusion and the idea that, you know, this, this fire of God's love, this all-consuming fire, some people may want to call it a hell, but if it's not that torturous, uh, beat the snot out of you kind of thing, it's actually a, a reaction of love that will renew our minds. There's a different lens to see it with now that, again, the wording matters. Yeah, I, I, uh, I watched Les Miserables uh, several years ago, mm. and I had a cathartic moment at the end of the movie that I started weeping. And I was wailing and all my kids were with me just looking at me, but I was wailing about some other things that had happened in my life. And I was, and, and it was anguish. Was I feeling anguish? Yes. But I was feeling cleansing at the same time. There was something that just completely overwhelmed me that day. And it was painful, but it was also pleasurable and it was also releasing and it was also curative. And, uh, you know, I think that's such a, um, you know, such, such a accurate, I mean, some people don't want to be uncomfortable and they, you know, they want to, the, the gospel does cause you to be uncomfortable. I mean, it, it just does. And we, we don't need to identify that. I, I'll give you a perfect example about from the, uh, and I've used this before, but from the Batman movies, you know, there was a Batman villain named Scarecrow and, and, and it's in the movie. I think Jillian, somebody played him 
uh, is the name of the actor or Cillian Hines or something like that. But anyway, he played him. But the thing about Scarecrow is he would spray you with this gas and this gas would make you hysterical and you would become scared of everything that you saw. If somebody was trying to help you, they would and trying to give you a hand to help you. You would see his fingers, his tentacles trying, trying to bite you, you know, or trying to choke you. And it, it was that hysteria, that angst, that hysteria, that insecurity that causes us to project violence onto God, mm-hmm. the unpleasant type of violence, the violence that doesn't, that doesn't cure, the violence that doesn't heal. Whereas if, if we get the scarecrow grass out of us, I mean, we see that God, and, and we do that, you know, perfect love cast out fears. We cast out that fear. We see that he's, his hands are there to help us. They're not there to hurt us, but we are so used to projecting our own violence. And this gets back to Bill's point about the violence thing earlier. We project our own violence onto God. We project our own wrath onto God, you know, and, and I think we need to come up with a good uh, use of the word. Uh, there I go projecting again. There you go projecting again, you know, because, and God lets us project on him because that's part of the, that's part of the cure. You know, right. he takes that's it. Exactly. He takes the projection that we give on him. And then he reveals the violence he's talking about as an inner, as an interior violence that deals with wicked thoughts and wicked notions. Mm. Uh, it, it's an interior violence that, that loves us, but at the same time, right? yeah. It takes every thought captive and tells us to take every thought captive, obedient, you know, obedient to Christ and anything that rises up against knowing Jesus, that's our enemy. And we are to be, you know, we are to be violent, you know, within on those things, but it's not against flesh and blood. I mean, Paul over and over again says it's not (laughs) flesh and blood, you know, it's these wicked thought patterns, these wicked mindsets, these wicked heart sets. And, uh, I mean, that's where the battle is. And, and, um, you know, some people use the word bypass. Well, you're bypassing, you know, you don't resist thoughts. You give, you know, you're not supposed to resist evil. Yes, you are. You are, you are. And, violently, and, uh, just, right? Violently. Yeah, just, violently yes. All violence means is, is an unbridled passion. That's all yes. the word really means, mm-hmm. right? And to say that God doesn't have unbridled passion for us, that's crazy. I think anyone who has, <laughs> has experienced the love of God through Christ knows there's an unbright I mean he stormed the gates of hell and and absolutely gates destroyed those right Sorry. stormed Sorry. the gates of hell right and he's he's vanquished it and he's he's released you know he's released the captives that was a violent conquest right you know really really the, the hell way. that he saved us from is the hell we projected onto him absolutely Bingo. <laughs> even moreover what one thing to add to this that I think is just kind of a it's a little bit of a side but not intentionally is we project as a religious Christianity this idea of a God who is really pissed off at moral sinners, right? Mm-hmm. That, and I think that's still something that gets... That's hard overly, to unlearn. Like mm-hmm. if you go back to the fundamentalist side of the equation where people are coming from and they, they struggle with this, that my sins, quote unquote, me breaking laws, some of which were biblical, some of which are now more social, some of which can be even through deconstruction, a new social justice, if I'm being honest, type of law, right? Dogma, where you can't do these things and you have to think about these things in a certain way. And I don't want to get into the nuances, but we, we're creating new laws, if you don't notice, and even in our, our new culture, that these, these laws are what make God displeased with humanity. 
And yet Jesus revealed that the sin is, he was a friend of sinners, <laughs> right? The people that Jesus took seriously about going to this eternal conscious torment place, right? Yeah. <laughs> not, not in the way we've, we've defined it, but, you know, this hellacious experience, the outer darkness where the weeping are and gnashing their teeth are the ones who thought that their morality in any one of those categorizations pleased God. That their morality, their self-righteousness was the variable that made God happy and pleased with them. And that their efforts on earth to make earth more heaven-like was what's going to set them apart in God's kingdom. Ironically, that was the only people that Jesus said, you're going to have a harder time in the afterlife because hmm. you're thinking your self-righteousness is what makes me happy with you. You're in for a surprise. What makes me happy with you is the fact that you're mine, period. Yeah. And that's, that's great. And that pisses people off because people want a hand in making this world better. And and listen, we do. We get the we get to co-create but, God in that. But it's more than that. They want to be better than someone else. Bingo. And or and they yeah exactly. And and they want to judge other people who aren't on the same page as them. And that that puts us out of the party immediately. That makes us a jerk that doesn't get to enjoy the lightheartedness of the of the kingdom of God that is among us right now. That I'm not obligated to do crap. Mm-hmm. And yet in my lack of obligation, I overwhelmingly turn myself to a slave of this type unfailing love. Not because I have to, because it's fun. <laughs> right? Amen. I, I think that's so interesting that the people that, that Jesus took seriously about experiencing, we want to call it hell or torment or, or discomfort, were never sinners ever. He never told one sinner. You're going to hell. Never once. Yeah. He yeah. only told the self-righteous yeah. people that. And it, that's just so intriguing to me that we miss that point over and over and over again whenever we get into a dogmatic conversation. So maybe well, it, it, it points out the, you know, the uh, if, if the ones who appeared righteous in the day externally, I mean, you know, we ought to self-apply that to our own eye. The danger today <laughs> It's not that we're out sinning with the sinners. The danger is that we think we're righteous, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because that can turn into self-righteous pretty quick. Because you can get all all proud of yourself and comfortable. and uh, Or your side, whatever side that is. And you forget to be mindful. And as soon as we forget to be mindful, we're not aware of the present. We're not aware of the presence of Christ in us. And we're not loving anymore. We're now we've moved to a, a reaction and a pattern that we can almost go into automatic now. And that's Jesus never lived in automatic. No. He lived in the moment. Yeah. And I think Romans 10 is one of the best passages for me about righteousness, self-righteousness, because it, it says the righteousness, which is of God, doesn't speak this way, does not speak this way. And then it tells you the way that that is who shall go up into heaven and bring Jesus down. Or who shall go into into hell and bring Jesus up? All right. But the righteousness, which is of God, speaks this way. God is with you on your t- in your mouth and in your heart. That's the way the righteousness that Jesus is in us, that that prompting presence is in us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that is whereas, you know, you, do, you think with the self-righteousness, what have we got to do to bring Jesus down from heaven to get this situation or to heal this situation? What have we got to do? Or what have we got to do to save Jesus and bring him up from hell? I mean, what have we got to do to make it happen? Whereas the righteousness of God says it's already happened. 
It has happened, my beloved child. He is here now in your mouth and in your heart. Let Mm. her rip. No, you you need to come to my do anything or bring him. He's already here. There's nothing left to be done. But you got to come to my church for my worship service at this time, because that's the only time the Holy Spirit will do that to you. (laughs) Or you got to join this social club and do these. You know, you got to go to this kitchen and do these work. And again, now, I'm not, I don't want to say any of these things are bad, but it's the motivation of our heart. If we think these things are making God pleased with us, okay, all of a sudden we change, we change the variables, whether it's go to church, whether it's give a person your last dollar, those aren't the things that make God pleased with Those are the things we do when we know God's already pleased with us joyfully. So those who, those who tend to listen to this are on the journey or interested in the journey. Um, we had a question come up this morning in our group and it came, comes from, I think it was Romans seven, where it says, I do the things I don't want to do. You know, the evil I don't want to do, I do. Uh, and that confusion. And then chapter eight, it switches to a, a different lens. How, how have you guys addressed that of that wrestle? Cause I think um, that is a, um, a tripping stone for many, many believers. They're, they're, they think there's still evil in me. Uh, I have two natures. That's really where it's going. And people are mixing that up. Do you remember that text? Yeah. Okay. Do you got? Can do you have anything that you can add to that? Like it may not be the right conversation now, but it just made me realize that's a uh, a stumbling block. And I, I, I talked to enough people to hear some of the patterns of things that are hindering them. This is one of them. Mm. Well, I I think the key, you know, the key is I do think that I do think we have a sin nature that wants to reestablish itself. And, but at the same time, you know, it's easily, it's easily recognizable and it, it, but see, that's what self-righteousness does. It battles against that nature with that nature. So, so because of the pride that's involved. So there's, there's, you're in bondage and you're in angst and you're in insecurity and you're in fear. You know, some of the most prideful people are really the most insecure people. We know that we've seen that a, a thousand different ways. They're covering up. Whereas the liberty that's in Christ is that we don't, you know, that, that we don't even think along. We don't think that way. I used to tick people off. They would tell me this because they would ask me something. And I would say, well, I, I don't really think about it in those terms. And, then, and, then, and maybe I was using it more as a as somewhat of a cop. But I really I didn't even occur to me to think about it that way. You know, so and I'm not saying I'm there all the time because I'm not. But listen, I have enemy strongholds in me that still try to come and reestablish themselves, whether it's pettiness or or wrath or I mean, it's always, you know, uh, but so, but the whole point of the New Testament is that we be led by the spirit. Yes. It's not that we be led by the Bible or that we be led by these 10 rules or that we be led by anything other than we be led by the spirit. Those are the children of God. That's Romans eight fourteen in the next chapter, mm-hmm. you know, the, the glorious liberty of Christ and the children of God are those who are led by the spirit of God. So every iota, uh, you know, we, we don't need to be self-conscious about the sin man, because the more you're self-conscious about it, the more you're battling with it, with your own thing. But, but he says in Romans eight, I don't think it is a shift. I think he says, this is the deliverance. You know, at the end of it, because he makes it sound hopeless. The things I want to do, I can't do. You know, I'm I'm in a fix. Who shall set me free? Romans eight says from this body of death. I thank God that Jesus Christ shall set me free. Well, that's it. And, 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 and this goes on now, with the law of liberty of the spirit. Yeah. And now, Mike, you know, this is the growing in grace, which I love that. That's the title of this to some degree, because it's where grace comes back in. And again, I think this is one of the things 
which so many people had freed them from the bondage of legalism in any yep. capacity, especially yep. hypocrisy, Western evangelicalism. Um, but but we gotta grace is still at the essence, it's at the heart of everything that is here because it's it it's illogical, right? And I think Paul says, you know, it is it's full of it, foolishness to the logic to the Greek, to the logic, and it's a stumbling block to the, the legalist, the Jew, right? It's it's disruptive in every way for, for our sensibilities, right? It just is. And whether we like it or not, we've all been put in this condition, Rome, Romans, right? We've all been put in this fallen, fleshly, you know, tree of knowledge of good and evil state. All of us have gotten shoved in this box so that all of us can be raised anew in the resurrection of Christ Jesus and last Adam. We may not like it. But that's the that's again that's the vulgarity of grace is we're all put in this, you know, we so, can't do it with self righteous state, yeah. so that his righteousness and only his righteousness and nothing but the blood and righteousness of Christ can make us renewed. Period. And that fights against. I want a piece of the puzzle. I want to have one bit of control. You don't. Jesus has done it all. It's only him. It's all him. And all we get to do is celebrate that party. And and huh. right and so so, and, so I got and at the end of Romans eight and nothing can separate us from this law, yeah. nothing yes. hell no heaven nah, not you know not not law not not nothing can separate us from that type of love that he has done everything to pull us out of the you know the dumpster fire and, that we're and, in and, <laughs> and you know the key the key is self consciousness I often use the term cursed self consciousness. Because when we start being self-conscious about it is when we're, we're not operating by the spirit. You know, the freedom that comes from the spirit is that we're not self-conscious about it. Yeah, we got sinful thoughts, but we just bat them away. You know, we just backhanded away. That's the way I think Jesus dealt with it. Get behind me, Satan. I mean, it was just it was just there. He recognized it. And I'm not going there. You know, and I think we get we dwell on it. We fixate on it. And then that's how the law wins. That's how this legalism wins. It gets us fixated and fearful of it. Whereas if we instead focus on the light of God, and, and this is why Christ has to become preeminent, because the more preeminent he becomes, guess what we become? The less self-conscious. Mm -hmm. We don't think about ourselves. We don't even think about whether our sin man's operating or not, because we, we put on the Lord Jesus. And Paul said that, put on the Lord Jesus, you know, put him on like armor, put him on, put on the mind of Christ. You know, well, we, we just, have we the mind of Christ effortlessly responsive to the spirit or as jesus said i only do what the father's doing right mm. yes he well, wasn't laboring with oh am i am i am i am i missing it i mean show me one scene you know where jesus ever said oh my god is that my sin man operating in me no he's too busy focused fixated on the father and you know i'm not saying that we even if we fixate on jesus i'm not saying we can't miss the boat sometimes sure we can but largely we won't and the more we hear his voice, the more momentum we get in hearing it the next time. And the more rich it becomes and the more the, the more tones we understand, the various mm. tones that he uses. I mean, I think that's the great adventure of life is learning the tonality of God. Mm -hmm. You know, and I just our everyday walks and our everyday glories and our everyday. Listen, we're, we're, no one even knows the glory we walk in, but nobody should know it because we're not doing it for anybody else. We're do, we're, I always say it this way. I feel there are times in my life when I feel the pleasure of the Lord. I mm. feel his pleasure. And that I'm not saying his pleasure in, in, in my brilliant this or that or the other. I, I feel it in me. I just feel that he loves me. I feel his joy. 
And I know it's, it's not mine, it's his. And that causes me to become more and more fixated on him and less and less fixated on my own stuff. Well, I had alarm bells go off a few minutes ago. <laughs> um, and you may not agree with me. So this, is, this could be interesting to see how we react to this. But words matter, right? We, we kind of talked about that a lot today. And so this idea of a sin nature, I, I, I cannot buy it. There's no way. Uh, because what is a nature that we got to define it now, right? Because it's, yeah. it's a sin toxin. Right. But that's not what nature is. The word nature has Good to point. do with the essence of who yeah. you are. Because here's what I Agreed. think. I believe yeah. our nature is the spirit and union of Christ we have with Jesus. That is our true nature. Okay. That, that's our that's DNA. Our our core DNA. Yes. So to throw in another word called nature, I got a hard time with it. you. Don't have two natures. I agree. We, we can't. It's like a tree. I we used, I used the illustration of an oak tree. You know, does it get oakier? No. It's it's an oak. It will not become a pine tree. It will. It, we are Christians. We are one with Christ. So to say I have a sin nature, I'd rather, please find another word because we have a what, disease. We have a sin disease. That's what we have. Yeah, I'm just right? trying to, because yeah. I, I, I know a, people are going to. We have a toxin. We have a poison. And that poison came from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It did. Right. And the only thing that purges it out from us ultimately is the uh, a trans, blood transfusion. The blood of Christ. Which happened. The mind of Christ, right? And it purges out the toxin from us, just like the gas that Richard was talking yeah. about earlier. And I think the nature conversation, the dual man thing. It's a, it's a way of we try to describe these because yeah. here's the deal. When we have a toxin in our body, especially if it's something that we become dependent on, people who've had addictions understand this. There's a withdrawal. There's a torment. There's a hell you got to mm-hmm. go through to, to purge that out of your body. It's a, but it's a cathartic. It's a, it's a remediation process. It's, it's, it's a hospitalization, right? It's not hell isn't a prison. It's a hospital. Jesus said, I came to heal, <laughs> you know, he didn't say I didn't come to punish. Right. Um, hey, there is no condemnation in me. And so I think, again, that's back to that preeminence of Christ. But I totally agree with you, Mike. It's not a nature, but it well, is. Pe- people can jump is, on this. That's why I'm that's why I'm bringing it up, it, because I already it know is something that is also I think we also have to. it is it is. It's not our nature. But here's the thing. It is in nature. Does that make sense? Mm. Not our nature. Yeah, that's but it better. Is in nature, because there was a tree that still was inside of this creation that is natural, but it's toxic to us. See, inside of Newtonian physics, there are laws. I jump off a building, I'm mm-hmm. going to break my leg or or worse. So behind that, there may be something that's not. So it it, it is, there's a natural essence to it, but it's not meant for us. Yeah, I, I would say it's a false nature. I would mm. say it's a nature that's been, and you know, whatever, illusion. Can, whatever it's an illusion. Satan, yeah. Whatever Satan may be. I mean, I always come back to that movie, the mask, because it's such mm-hmm. a good metaphor, the Jim Carrey movie, yep. you know, he finds this, he finds this mask and it, and it grafts himself. It's Loki, the God of mischief. And it, it grafts to his face and the face looks like him, but it's not who he truly is. Mm. And it controls him. It torments him. It, you know, it drives him to do cruel things, um, harsh things. Uh, you know, mocking things. And then at the end of it, you know, he has this big thing where he's trying to pull it off and you, it's pulling mm-hmm. his skin. It's so grafted onto yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so I think, you know, I, I think it's, a, it, it is a nature, but I agree with you. It's not the created nature. It's a false identity. And Thank with, you. With because real- that's a better way to say it than what you did five minutes ago, because yeah. I, I know somebody could have heard, wait a minute, 
Uh, and so to, to talk this through is really important. Yeah, I agree. Sure. Sure. Well, and, 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 and I, and I think, you, you know, my whole thing with, with that, that I see with the scapegoat now that this might, that might be another thing we talk about on another time, but the whole thing with the scapegoat, the mimetic people interpret it a certain way. And I, I disagree with their interpretation because uh, they say that the scapegoat, you know, in the old Testament, they, it was called the Azazel goat and Azazel. That's what the term scapegoat means. That's one of the terms for Satan is Azazel. He, he origin used that term to, to that Satan. Is. So, but the point of the scapegoat was that you disassociate yourself from the sin. You lay hands, the priest lays hands on the, on the ram, and then the ram goes out in the wilderness and dies. And that's the scapegoat. You, you send your sins away from you. That's See, right. what, what, what I don't like about the memetics, and some parts of memetics I like, but that, this, the, how they do the scapegoat is, is what I uh, agree with, disagree with. Because when I look at the world today, you know, I read an article yesterday that said the mystifying cause of child suicide increasing. That, there, that, that, that people are mystified that children killing themselves, uh, the rates are sky high. They're going up and they've never seen this before. And then you read articles about worldwide depression going on. I don't see people who aren't owning their sin. I see people who are owning it to such a that they've associated themselves yeah. with it. And I think what you, what you intuitively knew, Mike, was that we need to disassociate ourselves from this sin identity. Yep. you know, whatever we want to call it. It, it. it isn't legitimate. It isn't us. It's not who God created us to be. Because what you hear the mimetic people say is we need to stop blaming Satan. We need to stop blaming these things and just take responsibility for our own sin. I don't believe that because, you know, are you going to tell a child molester that's all he is? Stop blaming it on the devil. Stop blaming it on some false identity. This is who you are. I mean, that's the last thing that needs to happen. You know, we, we need to have this violence that Bill is talking about to separate, to disassociate ourselves from it. This isn't me. And Jesus telling me that this isn't you, child. I, I you know, I know you, you, you condemn yourself. You hate what you've done. You feel guilty about it, but it's not you. It's not your best self. It's not your truest self, you know? And then that, that lets you, you know, that lets you cast this identity away at the end of the mass. Jim Carrey takes that and throws it in the lake. There's a nearby what lake. Is- and he throws the mask in the lake. I was thinking about the lake of fire. You know, <laughs> what is it that gets thrown into the lake of fire? Isn't it? He never says any particular person gets cast into the lake of fire. He talks about liars, you know, and uh, what does that you- fire do? Fire purges, cleans, purifies. Yeah. And separates, separates the faults from the truth. Yeah. Rise to the top. Okay, yeah, we're, we're, I had an idea the other night that our our true natures, to what y'all are saying, are fireproof. Our false natures mm, are not fireproof. Yes. It's See, now we're now we're getting somewhere. So <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up because uh, I wanna I wanna see in our next conversation how this plays out in our day to day. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into it in, the, in just a few moments, but uh, this was a good conversation. And these are the conversations we got to have as we continue to grow. So we don't even judge each other as quickly. Amen. Like, like this is helpful. So thank you guys. You bet. All right, here we go. All righty. I hope you enjoyed that. That got, uh, I got ramped up pretty good there. We had the engines roaring. We were in fourth gear and could could have kept going but part two is going to be next week so we're gonna we're going to continue that conversation i think you'll like i hope you're enjoying these these conversations um i'm uh i've got a slate of other folks that i'm going to be 
adding into the mix and uh reached out to a few of them uh i think this is gonna be good we're just gonna continue on with this and um i want to continue the forgiveness interviews um there are a number of other people i want to have a conversation with about their lens their perspective on forgiveness i want to speak with uh um um robinson from who lived in pakistan a good friend of ours uh his lens and what's happened with him and how forgiveness works for him uh, having his life uh almost taken out um and, and different people there's, there's a whole bunch so um we got a lot of stuff we want to cover summer's coming soon too which is great um but for now uh, i hope you enjoyed this conversation i have to run and look forward to part two next week so the links for parts one and two sorry yeah parts links for parts one and two are down below this is part three and next week's part four and the final in this uh mini mini series all right that's it i'll catch you guys later thank you for those that are commenting mary hello becky good morning sandy and in, in uh, the uk good morning to you and uh, we will catch you guys next time Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.